And now Crosspoint, let's give a warm, awesome 4th of July Crosspoint welcome to our pastor today, Mark Porter. Come on, let's go. Right on, Crosspoint. Everybody doing good? Give it up for Pastor Steve Redden over there. That's my twin in another life. I'm so thankful for Crosspoint Church, um, all your support uh, and helping us in Ocean Beach uh, Regeneration Church. You guys are helping us to fulfill the mission we have there, which is we long to see all the people of Ocean Beach transformed by the power and the presence of Jesus. Um, that it's not a plan, it's not a paradigm, it's not a, uh, anything else that's going to change uh, a person's life. Uh, the only thing that's going to change somebody is a person, his name is Jesus. And so we're trying to take people straight to the Lord and we're reaching some <clears throat> some hard people for the Lord, and you guys are helping us do that. We have a huge chunk of scripture to get through here today. Uh, Acts chapter 21, we'll start in verse 37, and we're going all the way to where Pastor Steve just ended there, uh, uh, chapter 23, verse 11. So really, we're going through like two chapters, and I don't know if Pastor Steve forgot how long I normally talk or, or what, um, but this is going to be hard to break down in 35 minutes. I mean, I'm a preacher. I love, I'll talk about Jesus all day. But I know that some of y'all got some plans and you don't want to be here till Tuesday. So we're going to have to really kind of pick out what we want to do here. Some of you got plans tomorrow for the 4th of July, I'm sure. So whenever I read, we just have to jump right in. Whenever I read the book of Acts, and I love the book of Acts because we get to see the church in motion. We get to see how we're supposed to be, not just kind of hear the commands, but we get to see the church in motion, doing the things that the Lord has called and commanded us and equipped us to do. But when I study the book of Acts, here's what I always do. I always look at the book of Acts in reference to one verse, and that one verse, which the whole book of Acts is hinged on, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You guys probably went over this probably months ago when you started this whole sermon series, but Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, but you will receive, this is Jesus talking, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in some of your Bibles, that those words right there are in red, meaning Jesus is speaking here. <clears throat> so those words carry a ton of weight, all right? Jesus said this, you will be my witnesses. And so these are some heavy, heavy words here. And this is really a prophecy of Jesus that as he leaves, the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would give the power of God to fill and to fuel all believers. And that word there, power in the Greek, uh, it's the Greek word dynamis. Everybody say dynamis. Look at you theologians out there. Uh, and, and the Greek word dynamis is where we get our uh, English word dynamite. Everybody say dynamite. But I'm not talking about some Jimmy Walker from the show Good Times kind of dynamite. I'm talking about the dynamic power of God through the Holy Spirit coming into believers. But it's not just a power that we would just have so we could be powerful and everybody would look at us. It's a power to be, if you look at the text there, the power to be a witness. Right, that we would go and share Jesus, that we would go and share our testimonies, that we would go and tell the great and mighty things that the Lord Jesus has done in us, through us, and around us. Not just power to be powerful, but power to be powerful for the Lord. That the church would, would, would be filled and fueled and equipped with the power of God to be a witness for the Lord Jesus. And then really from that point on, really actually Acts chapter 2, we get to see this come as the Spirit of God comes, falls on the believers, 120 men and women in an upper room praying, the Holy Spirit falls, tongues of fire come, and the rest of the book of Acts is Acts 1-8 in process. They're going out, they're being a witness. Uh, they're, they're doing the things that God has called and equipped them to do over and over again, the power of God coming into these 
believers, men and women, bold and courageous, going out in the very power that God gave them through the Holy Spirit, being a witness for the Lord Jesus. And the, 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 the book of Acts ends in chapter 28. But listen, check this out, church. You and I are Acts 29. The book of Acts never stopped. The book of Acts continues on in us, through us, at Crosspoint Church. This is Acts 29 right here. We're supposed to be continuing. The power of God is still coming into me and you as believers in Jesus Christ. And the, and the plan and the purpose of God has never changed. We're to continually be a witness to the people around us. In Temecula, in Ocean Beach, where I'm at, wherever you're at. In work, at your school, at the Starbucks that you went to this morning. The power of God wants to give you the power to be a witness, even in those places where you're uncomfortable, even in those places where you're scary, even in those places where we're going to see here today where you might have the threat of death coming at you. And I know you're all excited for that, right? Now, with that in mind, picking up where you left off in Acts chapter 21. So if you have your Bible, again, turn there, Acts 21. Paul's in prison. I think you guys went over this last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul's in prison because he's doing the very thing that Acts 1-8 told him to do. He's being a witness for Jesus, and he's in prison for it. He was being a witness for Jesus. He's in the temple witnessing both to Jews and to, to, to Greeks or Gentiles, and the Jews don't like that at all. But the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is for all men, and his gospel message was meant to save all men and women, both the Jew and the Gentile, the Jew and the, the Greek. And so Paul here thought it's best to obey God rather than to obey man, and that's a good idea for me and you to do the same thing, amen? So be obedient to the Lord, not to the men and women around us. And for this, Paul is put in chains, he's bound, and he's taken off to jail. Now, <clears throat> I was in jail a lot growing up. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. 21 times I've been in jail. Probably even more than that, but that's how many times I can remember going to jail. Um, but, but never for preaching the good news of Jesus, unlike Paul here. I, I never went for good things. I always went for whatever... I was doing, but, but even Paul here, as he's bound to being marched off into prison, he still allows the spirit of God to move in his life. He's still being obedient to the call. And instead of complaining and whining that this isn't fair and this isn't the way I thought these things were going to work, Lord, and I thought when you called me to be a preacher or a pastor, I didn't think I'd be ended up in jail. Instead of doing all those things, look at me. Paul takes this time once again to be a witness for Jesus. Once again, even here, once again, even here, fulfilling the prophecy of Acts 1.8. You see, in Acts, 21, Acts 22, 1 through 21, Paul gives his testimony to the very crowd that was having him put in jail. Sharing his testimony with the people who are putting his hands behind him and marching him off to jail. And I don't know about you, but those are the last people I'm normally thinking about praying for or sharing my testimony with, right? right? I mean, God is still hard at work at the dude standing on the stage here right now. And I know that the people of Cross Point Church are a little bit more pious and a little bit more holy than the people down at Regeneration Church in Ocean Beach. But come on, Lord, you want me to preach to those people? Those are the ones that are marching me off to jail. Those are the ones that want to take my head. Those are the ones that are, that are shouting death threats against me, but you want me to preach. I mean, that's what I'd be thinking. But the Lord Jesus, I think, as, he, as I would think those things, the Lord Jesus would tell to me, he would say to me, he would say, man, they tried to kill me too. And they succeeded for three days. And if you remember, I prayed for them even as they were putting me on that cross. And that, at that very time, I was still praying for you. And so it's going to be hard, church. There's going to be some times where we are called to share our testimony with people that we don't get along with, that don't look like us, don't think like us, don't want anything to do with us. And it's better, again, to be obedient to the Lord than to the, the voice in your head. You see, sharing your testimony is hard enough, but sharing it to people you don't really like or get along with, people that, that hate you like Paul here, people trying to kill you, that makes it just a little bit harder. 
And in Ocean Beach, we're fortunate enough to share the gospel with all kinds of people, kind of like your mission statement here, all kinds of people. And if you've been down to OB, you know exactly what I'm talking about, from addicts to alcoholics to the homeless to veterans to straight-up crazy people. Once a week, every Sunday, we'll get somebody walking in, and we're like, holy cow, Lord. This, this is what we're going to be doing this week. Huh? And, and, and sure enough, the Lord still gives us that same power to be a witness to those kinds of people. And many times, sharing the love of Jesus with those kinds of people Man, it's not always easy, church. Amen? And often it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it, church. And thankfully, I'm able to share my Jesus story or my testimony a lot. I share, I share my uh, bits and pieces of my testimony almost each and every week. And I don't, I don't share my testimony or, or share that story because I want people to look at me or to, to make a, a big deal about me. I share my testimony and I share my Jesus story so people will know Jesus and make a big deal about him. Amen? It's nothing about me. I'm just a fool that got wrecked by the Lord. I didn't do anything to be saved. The Lord Jesus did it all. If there's anything good in my life or if you see or hear anything good here today, it's not me. It's the Lord Jesus. Amen? amen. My wife said amen a little too loud there, but that's all right. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that on the way home there, sweetie. That if... <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble. So if Jesus, listen, if Jesus can get if Jesus can take a no good addict train wreck of a man and change his life around, then he can do the same for you here today. No matter your sin, no matter your past, no matter the struggle you're facing here today, no matter what you came in here, no matter what you were doing ten minutes before you walked in this room here today, church, Jesus can turn your life around. Jesus can and will make you a new creation if you will submit your life to him today. And as people hear this Jesus story, as people hear his testimony, not my testimony, but his testimony, it gives them hope, church. Those who are in the very grip of sin and those who have loved ones who are in the very grip of sin, it gives them hope. Hope that if he can save me, then he can save you. Or maybe it's hope that if he can change my life around, then maybe the person you've been praying for, your kid, your grandkid, your whatever it is around you, that there's still hope for that person. Never give up hope. My mom never stopped praying for me, church. Never. Thank you, Jesus. And most of the time, as she was praying for me for about 20 years, my life wasn't getting better. It was getting worse and worse and worse and worse, darker and darker and darker. And she kept praying and she kept praying and she kept praying. And one day in his time, the Lord came and saved me. Don't stop praying, church. Don't, don't ever stop praying for it because people need hope, man. Hope, the world that we live in right now is desperate for hope. I mean, I don't know if you watch any news. I pray you don't. But if you ever happen to, to flip it on for, for some reason... Man, the world we live in is a train wreck right now. I mean, it is out, it's, it's off the rails, and it keeps getting further and further off the rails. But we as a church, we have a monopoly on hope, church. We got Jesus. And so we need to share this hope. We need to tell re- people the reason we have hope for the, for the hope that lies within us. We, we, we've got a monopoly on hope, and far too many of us, even as we have the power of God living in us and trying to live through us, we have all this hope, but we're not doing anything with it. We're just holding tight, saying, no, I, I got it. No, we're supposed to share that hope, open-handed with the hope that we have. Because listen to me, church, the same Holy Spirit that gave the early church boldness and courage to be a witness then is the same Holy Spirit that is ready and willing to give us that same power to be a witness in our communities, in our workplaces, and in our, uh, in our homes here today. That if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have that same Holy Spirit in you. And listen, there is, there's, no, there's no JV Holy Spirit, Right? Some of the people are like, well, I got a little bit of the Holy Spirit. No, brother, you either got it or you don't, right? You either got it. If, if you've got the Holy Spirit, then you've got the Holy Spirit. And you've got everything you need to, to, to be a witness in that Holy Spirit. It's, it's like when, when, when somebody, I didn't play football when I was in high school. I was doing extracurricular activities over here. But, but, 
If I would have played football in, or any sport really in, in high school, I, I'd want to not just put the uniform on and sit on the sidelines. I want to get in the game. I want to get dirty. I want to hit somebody. Give me some blood. Let's do this thing, right? Let's, get, let's, let's play this game, right? Well, the Holy Spirit has filled the church with the power and the presence of Jesus. And far too many of us are sitting on the sidelines just saying, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get messy. Man, it's time to get dirty, church. How often did we see Jesus in the New Testament getting down on his knees in the dirt with messy, messy people? We, the church, we need to start living this out a little bit more. Amen? And, I'm, and listen, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. So don't be like, man, that dude yell that does a lot, man. I, I yell at myself all the time. Amen? So Paul here in verses 1 through 21 of Acts chapter 22, he gives his conversion story of how Jesus met him and changed his life, giving him a purpose, a plan, and the power to carry out that plan. And in verses 22 through 29, the leaders kind of freak out on Paul as he mentions the name of Jesus. Gives a story and then he starts to mention the name of Jesus, that everything came from Jesus. Jesus changed me. Jesus wrecked my life. Jesus brought me up. Jesus gave me this mission. He starts to mention that and they're like, I mean, you just need to chill out on this Jesus stuff, man. And listen, I'm not going to go into much detail here because y'all covered this in Acts chapter 9 when you studied that chapter of how Paul was changed, radically changed by the Lord, meets the Lord Jesus. Actually, the Lord Jesus meets him. Paul didn't wake up that day going, I think I'll, I think I'll become a Christian today. I think I'll, I'll think, I'll, I think I'll go meet Jesus today. I mean, it came completely out of the blue. Jesus wrecks that man. He, he gets a, a purpose and a plan. And, and now as he shares that, this beautiful, amazing, supernatural event in his life, as he shares that testimony, a plot is made to kill him for doing exactly what the Lord had called him and commanded him to do. I mean, Paul here is just simply doing what the Lord commanded him and equipped him to do. And for that, he's facing the death penalty. So Paul gives his testimony. This infuriates the council. Verse 22 says this, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth where he should not be allowed to live. This is what's happening as Jesus, as Paul shares his story, how he met the Lord Jesus, changed his heart, changed his life, and then Jesus gave him a mission. As he states in verse 21, it says this, and he said to me, the verse before this, he says, go and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And this is what really infuriated the crowd here. This is really what started to infuriate the Jewish leaders here. They were okay with Paul preaching to the Jewish people. They didn't really necessarily agree with what he's saying. They didn't necessarily, certainly didn't like they was using the name of Jesus. But, but you could talk to the Jewish people. But what really set them over the edge and what really made them upset was Paul's mission was to reach the Gentiles with the good news. Right? Don't, don't talk to them. You can talk to the Jewish people again. We don't agree with it, but you don't, don't, don't go reaching the Gentiles, man. The Jews thought that anything from God had to be just for them. Not for those people. Only if, if God was truly speaking through you, Paul, it has to be just for the Jewish people. And it certainly wouldn't be for the heathens and the brave Gentiles. Nobody, nobody but them, right? And listen to me, church. You ever been around church people like that? They hear the, the great gospel message, the radical inclusion in Jesus' message for all people to be saved. They clap and they say amen. But then one of those kind of people come into their church, then there's a problem. Right? I know this doesn't happen here at Cross Point Church, but listen, you go into churches like that, they're like, man, we can't have them in this place. Certainly there's a place they can go, but not here. Ship them down to OB or something down there. Let them handle them fools, but don't bring them, don't bring them here, right, man? And church people can often be the biggest hypocrites in this area, myself, myself included church. You see, the Lord had to do a huge work in my heart as he saved me to be okay with worshiping with all sorts of people. 
In prison, you got, you got about two worship services, Christian worship services a month. So you can't really be too picky. If it's open, you're like, man, let's, let's just go. This is what we, what we got to, to choose from. And everyone would come to the chapel to worship, black, white, Hispanic, all the rest. Everybody, the true body of Christ. It's what, the, it's what heaven's going to look like, church. Everybody together, worshiping the Lord Jesus. No matter your color, your, 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 your tribe, your, your language, whatever you were, we all came together. And it really looked like the church in Revelation where you see everyone coming together. And how crazy is that, that the church in prison looks like the church in Revelation, but oftentimes the church in the real world doesn't look at all like the church in Revelation. That's a whole other sermon. Pastor Steve, uh, probably not going to let me preach on that. But anyway, (laughs) in prison, most of these groups outside the chapel, most of these groups that were getting together, they didn't associate with each other at all. You catch my drift here, right? Black people hung with black people. White people hung with white people. The Hispanics hung out with each other. And even in that, there were some kind of different orders and different sects there. And I'm not saying that that's right. That's just the way it is. In prison, you hang out with what you look like, but not in church. Not in church. And I'm thankful for this because God moved mightily in those little church services, breaking down barriers and breaking down walls between people and breaking down my heart and heart. So, my brother, you need to share and be with all kinds of people. This ain't just about you and your people that look like you, right? And this is one of the main reasons in our mission statement down in Ocean Beach that we say all. We long to see all the people in Ocean Beach transformed by the power and the presence of Jesus. All kinds of people. And I love that in your mission statement, you're reaching all kinds of people. You say that right in your mission statement. And this keeps us constantly on the gospel track. I'm just not trying to reach people that look like us, sound like us, think like us, and even believe like us. But it truly keeps our focus on those that are out there, church. Those that are out there that aren't being reached by anyone else. Because when I got saved, I kept asking a couple different questions. But one of the main things I kept asking was, why didn't anybody tell me about this Jesus dude before? But I tried everything known to man to, excuse me, to quit Drinking and using uh, all sorts of illicit drugs. I tried everything they could tell me to quit, but nothing was working. In fact, as I kept trying these different things, my life kept getting darker and darker and darker and worse and worse and worse. But God stepped in. And when God stepped in, everything changed in my life. So I knew that the Lord was sending me back to OB to reach those who no one else was reaching, who no one else was sharing the good news with. Because when I was in OB, OB before, nobody was telling me about Jesus. It said, do this, do this, do this. But nobody was telling me about, about the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation in his name and how he could change my life. And so I knew that as we went back, that's what we were supposed to do, to reach people who were not hearing the name of Jesus. And that's how Regeneration Church started, just a bunch of fools on fire for Jesus, longing to see God take back what the enemy had held on for far too long. And again, I'm thankful for your partnership here at Crosspoint to help us do that. So back to our boy Paul here. He shares his Jesus story. And then he says he's taking the message to the Gentiles and the council completely loses their minds. Verse 23. And they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust in the air. Man, this is quite the scene going on here. And the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out if they were shouting against him. And and flogging is not a word that we use now uh, too much in our language, but it's not a good thing when you're getting flogged by anybody. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said this to the centurion who was standing before him, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen uncondemned? And what Paul here does here is he pulls out his insurance card. You see, Paul was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And this gave him all sorts of privileges that most Jewish people did not have. And one of those, one of those things was with, with, with this, he's, he's saying, man, you ain't whipping me, son. Man, you better put that thing away because this, this ain't going, I ain't going out like that is what he's saying. I'm a Roman citizen. You can't touch me. 
And so they pull back, right? Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune, who are the Jewish people, came to him and said, tell me, are you, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I, I bought this citizen for a large sum, Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for they realized Paul was a Roman citizen and that he, they had bound him. So the Romans are like, man, we ain't touching this fool. Man, he's your problem the, to the Jewish leaders. You do what you need to do. We're done with this. We're wiping our hands clean, if you will. And so the Jewish leaders are like, okay, we got to figure out something. Uh, and this leads us to chapter 23, uh, where Steve actually started reading, Pastor Steve, uh, in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the uh, ESV translation. It might be a little bit different than yours, but it should be uh, uh, fairly similar. Verse 1 of chapter 23. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And this is just kind of a passing verse. This is just kind of a verse tying chapter uh, 22 to, verse, uh, to chapter 23. But, man, as, as, I'm, as I'm studying for this and looking at this and really thinking, Lord, what do you want me to say this week? Man, this verse just kept pounding me in the head. Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Right? And I kept thinking to myself, can I honestly say that about my life? Can I say I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day? I wish I could. I'd try to, but man, it is hard to do that, right? Like the other day, me, me and Lindsay, my wife Lindsay, we're at Home Depot. We bought some wood and some hinges and, and a, a little bit of chain for a, a sign that was going to be made for the, for the tattoo shop that I'm at. Uh, our neighbor was going to make it for us. So we're buying the supplies. We go to the self-checkout, which is a whole other story. We go up there. I'm scanning this stuff. A guy we know from OB comes up and starts talking to us, asking us all sorts of questions. So I'm distracted. I'm talking to him. I'm checking myself out. The computer's asking me questions. I don't even know what's even happening here. So, so I'm just like, man, what's going on? He's asking me questions. Everything's happening. I'm checking myself out. I don't even work there. Uh, they never trained me how to use this computer. I just never, I'm not even getting a paycheck for this thing, but here I am doing, doing this thing, right? But as we leave, the guy, we finish our conversation with him, pay for our stuff, we walk out. As we leave, Lindsay's all, you didn't pay for that chain. You didn't scan the chain. Oh my gosh, they're gonna arrest us, is what she's telling me. We're walking out of Home Depot. And I'm like, my old self kicks in, the old Mark Porter. I'm laughing, I'm like, man, it's Home Depot, right? They won't miss my 64 cents for this chain, all right? I've stolen way more than this in my life, and, and this isn't even really stealing, right? <laughs> This isn't even, we just forgot to scan it. I mean, I'm trying to justify it to myself and to her, right? And she's all, now I'm an accomplice to your theft. <laughs> right? When we get home, the police are going to be there. How are we going to explain to the boys why we're in prison and why we can't, they can't come visit us? She's going like way over here, getting all worked up. And you have to understand that my wife, Lindsay, she has never been in trouble. And I mean, Never. Right? She, she grew up in the church. I think she was born on the altar, and when the doctor spanked her butt when she was born, she yelled out Jesus. That's how, that's how pure and clean my wife is, right? Me, on the other hand, I grew up on Tupac and malt liquor, just ready to go at this thing, just taking it out, right? Got spank I got more spankings in a day than she got her whole childhood on a regular occasion. But the point is, I'm trying hard to be the man that that verse says right there. I'm trying hard to, 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 man, I need help, y'all, right? I'm still often that fool that did six years in prison instead of the guy that planted a church. I need the Spirit of God to come, like Acts when he comes, to give me that power, not only to just be a witness, but to be the man that he's called me to be. So that I can say, brothers, I have lived my life in all good conscience up to this day. 
uh, before God. That's the goal, y'all. That's what I'm shooting for, to be able to honestly say that with all my heart, so that when I see Jesus, and we, when we see Jesus, and we all will, believer or non-believer, that when we meet him, we will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because in that moment, church, nothing else matters. Nothing. He's not going to look at your bank account, where you lived, what job you had, the title. All oh, that's going to be nothing. It's going to be rubbish. Only thing that's going to matter is what did you do for Jesus? I want to hear those words, church. Amen? So as Paul says this to, this Jewish, to the Jewish leaders of this day, he says, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this point. Basically, he's saying, man, you got nothing to charge me with. I shouldn't even be here. As he says this, this makes them even more angry. They're already ready to kill this dude. I don't know how you get more angry than trying to kill somebody, but they get even more angry. In verse 2, they say this. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet, contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. And here Paul makes a stand. Here Paul calls them out on their hypocrisy, much like Jesus did with the Pharisees over and over again in the Gospels. You see, the law says that he who strikes a man uh, also strikes the Holy One. And you couldn't strike a man unless you had the witness of two other people there. And they have no witnesses because Paul had done nothing wrong. All he's doing is preaching the name of Jesus to the Gentiles, but they're still striking Paul with no reason. So notice here that Paul stands up for himself, church. Far too often as Christians, man, we're just doormats to people, letting them walk all over us, man. There is a time and a place for me and you as Christians, men and women, to take a stand. And I think today is that day, church, that we no longer let the world walk over us, but you and I stand for what we know is right, humbly, but standing on the word of God, standing on the truths that are in this world. And I think the world is desperately needing, desperately wanting, desperately looking for men and women to once again stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his kingdom, church. Amen? And if you don't like that or if you don't agree with that, um, you have Pastor Steve Redden's uh, email account. <clears throat> or you can send it to my email account, which is jimmycrackcorn at idontcare.com. Either one, either one, either one of those will work perfectly fine. <laughs> okay, verse four, here we go. Getting off the rails here. Verse four, those who stood by him said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I, do not, I, do not, I did not know, brothers, that this was the high priest, for it is written, Y'all shall not, you shall not speak evil uh, of a ruler of your people. And here's what's happening. This is really, really, really early, like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning is what most people think. So the high priest came out. He's not dressed in all the, the garb and the attire that he would normally have. He would normally have this hat and these robes, and it would just be cl clear and apparent who this dude is. It's early in the morning. He probably didn't get dressed. He came out to just kind of see what was happening with Paul. So Paul doesn't know who this dude is as he makes that, that comment. He doesn't know who he's speaking to. Now he knows. Now he sees it. And we read verse 6 here. It says, when, now when, when Paul perceived that the one, one of the Sadducees, uh, uh, and, uh, no, I'm sorry, he, here he admits, Paul, Paul here, he admits that he's wrong. Again, something that we need to learn and, and grow in uh, church. Amen? I know I need to. And when we're wrong, we quickly say, man, ask for forgiveness and just say, man, I was wrong. I, 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 I'm sorry for whatever I did. Let, let's try and move forward. So Paul does that. Verse 6, he says, now when Paul perceived that one part uh, were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council. Brothers, I am a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. It is with respect and hope for the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. 
And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. So Paul here, what he's doing is he's pitting them against each other. All right, you ever have some, some heat come on you? And the best way to get heat off of you is get them against each other. That's what Paul's doing here. Not saying it's right, just saying that's what he's doing. Verse 9. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down, take him away from among them by force, and bring him into the barracks. So it goes off the rails again once for Paul. Paul is getting it from both sides again. So they rush him out of there for fear that they're going to kill this man. So, 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 so it seems to be just getting darker and darker and darker for Paul. And again, all he is doing is doing what the Lord had called him, commanded him, and equipped him to do. He's just being obedient to the Lord. And as he does it, things and people keep coming against him. And have you ever been there, man? You're just trying to be obedient to the Lord, trying to do the best you can to do with what God has told you to do. And all the while, it seems like you're walking uphill the whole way. That like you're rowing a boat and the wind is constantly against you or you're, you're just trying to make it, following the Lord's call in your life. But it seems as if you're being led into the valley of shadow, the valley of the shadow of death day after day after day, just not making any headway. Really, it just gets darker and darker around you. And man, I'm just trying to do what you told me to do, Lord. Just trying to be obedient. And listen, Paul had been here many, many times in his life. And here, as he returned to Jerusalem, hoping to tell of all the good and the gospel things that the Lord had done, what he had seen and what he had witnessed Jesus do in him and through him, how churches were planted, how, how people were coming to life-saving, eternity-altering faith in Jesus. He just, he just wanted to share the good news. He now sits in one of, the most, one of the darkest nights of his whole life. Everything seemed to be going wrong in Paul's life, and it just kept seeming to get worse and worse. His heart ached. He was physically, emotionally, and spiritually Tired, And even Paul, the ultimate optimist, he had to be thinking to himself, come on, Lord, this, how much more can I take? And here he sits humiliated, alone, dejected, despised by his own peers, wondering if this is the end for him. But God, but God, oh, I, how I love those two words right there, church. God had a plan and God was not done with him yet. And then we get to verse 11. The verse I've been trying to get to this whole sermon. Right? This whole thing kind of hinges on this. This verse right here, this last verse. Here we read of a divine visit and divine encouragement. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified about the facts of me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And here the Lord Paul, here the Lord reminds Paul of the promise that he has made to everyone who calls to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He reminds him of this promise that I will always be with you. Always, church. And I don't know if you know much about the Greek language, but do you know what the word always means in Greek? Always. It means always. It means always. And no matter what, no matter where, no matter when, Jesus is always with us, church. Always. And while most of us know this, most of us believe this, how quickly can we forget this in our darkest times? How quickly do we kind of push that over here when everything starts to cave in and our circumstances and our surroundings keep screaming to us that you are all alone, your God has left you, your God doesn't want anything to do with you. How often do we forget the promise, the promise of Jesus that I am with you always. Listen to me, Crosspoint Church. There are many promises in the Bible, but I don't think there's one that is greater than this one, that our God is with us. In the good times, in the hard times, in the tough times, even the darkest times, listen, God is with us. And this isn't just a New Testament promise. Yes, this is, the, the Bible is replete 
with this promise, right? The Bible is full of this promise. Isaiah 41.10 reminds us of this. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. If, it, if the Bible just said there, fear not, we kind of be like, how? How can I not fear? Man, there's some scary things, even the world we live in today. Isaiah's time was, it was just completely crazy. But even the times we live in today that, that, that can make us very, very fearful, especially as Christians. Amen? How can I fear not? How can I not be afraid, Lord? How, how can I take this promise? How, how can I take your word serious here? Fear not how, Lord? Well, the rest of that verse tells us, I am with you. Fear not, because I am... With you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will oppose you with my righteous hand. And what, what more does a person who is fearful or afraid need than to know that God is with them, but also that God will strengthen you, God will help you, and God will uphold you. That's what our God does, church. He, he, he picks us up when we're falling down. He gives us strength when we have absolutely none and he upholds us, and we can't even hold ourselves up, church. This is the beauty of what God promises us, church. We got to hold on to these promises, especially here in 2022. Hold on to this promise. No matter what you're going through right now, hold on to this promise. The Bible, again, that's again, this isn't just in Isaiah. It's not just in, in a couple places in the Bible. The Bible continually tells us this story. In fact, the whole Bible is a story of God being with us. That in the very beginning... God was with his people. Adam and Eve, God was perfect communion. They had perfect communion with the Lord, with them in the garden. How beautiful and how perfect it was. Sin comes in and it breaks that, but God's presence is still with them. Even as they wander in the desert for 40 years, God's presence is with his people. Right? A fire in the day, fire at night, cloud in the day. God's presence is in. Then they make the temple. God's presence goes where? In the temple. In the Holy of Holies, God's presence is still with his people in the temple. Then then a sure sign that he is with us, Jesus comes. Literally, God with us. We sing it every Christmas. O come, O come, Emmanuel. That, that, that name Emmanuel means God with us, church. And as Jesus leaves in the book of Acts, Jesus leaves, but God, he does not leave us. God sends his Holy Spirit not to just be with us, but to be in us, church. And then Revelation. Revelation, God fully reconciles everything back to himself, fully, finally, perfectly reconciles, and God is once again perfectly with us. This whole book is God with us, church. This whole book can be broken down into just that theology. We, we, we've got to replace in our minds that we are alone and that nobody hears us and replace that with the theology that God is always with us, church. Put that deep, deep into your heart, deep, deep into your theology. God is... With us, there's never a moment as a Christian that God has stopped being with us. Even as we stumble, even as we sin, even as we drift, even the darkest nights of our soul, our God is faithful at keeping his promises. Our God is forever with us. Somebody needs to hear just that today. I could just shut up right now. I'm not going to, but we could just stop right, right there, right? So Paul here is shackled. Paul here is chained. Paul here is led back to prison. His all alone feeling abandoned, even by God himself, I'm sure. And who shows up but God himself to remind our boy Paul, you're not alone. To give him a little bit of a pep talk here. And notice the words that he says here. It says, the following night. So Paul's been here for a day, in prison for a day, defeated, alone, nothing to do, no one to talk to. And I'm sure the darkness begins to feel a little bit too real here. If you've ever been in a place like that, all alone, even for a day. The darkness kind of starts to creep in a little bit. Your mind starts to do some weird things in you, right? But look what happens here. The Lord stood by him. And look at me, Crosspoint Church. If you stand for the Lord, the Lord will stand for you. If you just declare today, Lord, I'm going to make a stand for you, you will never stand alone. 
The Lord Jesus will always stand for you. He will stand for us and he will stand with us. You remember back in Acts chapter 6 and 7 when you learned about this dude named Stephen? And Stephen was a beast for the Lord. And as he gave his speech, convicting and confronting the Pharisees of the truth of the gospel message, the truth that, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, the Pharisees come and they, and, and they stone Stephen. And I'm not talking about the kind of stone that happens in OB right now. I'm talking about the stone. They pick up rocks and they start stoning this dude. And here's what we read. Now, when, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they, gave, they gritted their teeth. They ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of, of the Lord and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And look, this is why this is so important, church. This is the only time in Scripture that you see Jesus standing in the throne room of heaven. Jesus, everywhere in the Bible, everywhere else except for right here, Jesus is always seated. His job is done. I'm sitting down, player. I am done. Seated at the right hand of the Father. But here, as, Jesus, as Stephen stands for Jesus and stands for all his kingdom, the Lord Jesus stands with Stephen. And if you and I, in the circumstances and in the hard times and sometimes even the darkest moments of our life, when we take a stand and we feel all alone, if we would just take our gaze off of all this and put our gaze upward and towards heaven, I think we would see Jesus standing for us, church. And that makes all the difference. Doesn't necessarily change anything happened out here. They still killed your boy, Stephen. But he saw Jesus standing and he gave him the strength and the courage to keep carrying on, even in the face of death, church. Even in the face of death. And let's be real here today, church. Can we do that, Crosspoint? Let's be real. Let's take off the mask for just a minute here. Maybe you came in here today and, man, life just sucks for you right now. I mean, 2022 is just, things just keep getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Maybe your marriage is a train wreck and you feel like you can't tell anyone in this church right now. You came to church with your wife and you argued the whole way here. And then you walked in those doors and people were like, how are you guys? And you're like, oh, we're blessed. No, you're not. No, you're not, right? Maybe your children, your grandchildren have wandered from the faith. Maybe you're over your job and life is just too much for you right now. Maybe your bills are adding up right now and the money is running short. Whatever it is, it seems as if darkness is closing in and your hope is running out. Always remember that Jesus is with you and Jesus is for you, church. Both of those things promising God's word. You are never alone, even in that dark moment you might be in right now. You are never alone. And here, as life gets out of control, if you and I would keep standing for the Lord Jesus and standing for his kingdom, listen, he will stand for you. And knowing and trusting this, that the Lord stands for you, makes all the difference in the world. But not just that, church. Watch what happens here. The text says this, the Lord Jesus stood for him, and the Lord said this, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. And those words right there, take courage, in the whole New Testament, Jesus is the only person who says those two words right there. Take courage. And how those two words must have soothed Paul's soul. And those two words can also be translated, take heart. And many times, you, many of you will remember that Jesus, when he, when he sends his, in the Gospels, Jesus, when he sends his disciples out onto the sea, a huge storm comes up. They think they're going to die. These are fishermen, professional fishermen. They're on this, this storm. The waves are coming up. And they're like, this is it. We're done. Again, just being obedient to what God told them to do. He told them to get in the boat, go over there. Jesus comes walking out on the water to them, right? The winds are breaking. They're like, Lord, save us. Lord, help us. And Jesus says, take, take heart. Same Greek words right there. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And when he says it, the wind is still going. The waves are still happening. He didn't, he didn't quiet the storm just yet. But he says, look, I'm with you. It's going to be all right. 
Same thing we got to remember in our storms. And maybe today you're in a storm. Maybe you're stuck in a valley. I'm not so naive as I stand up here today in Crosspoint Church that there are some jacked up people in this place, some real struggles, some real valleys, some sins, some broken marriages, some lost dreams, some addictions that you just can't get a hold of right now. And while you want everyone around you to think that you got it all together, your world is completely falling apart. Maybe you're in a storm. Maybe you're going under. Maybe you feel like you can't even breathe right now. Listen to me, church. Listen to the Savior's words to Paul. Listen to the Savior's words to me and you right now. Take courage. Take heart. Our God is with us. Our God is for us. And our God fights our battles. Remember, if Christ is in us, if Christ is with us, who can be against us? He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Might start preaching here today to Cross Point Church, but I'm almost, I'm almost done. Unless you want to go till Tuesday, and then we can make this go a little further. And Jesus ends with this, church. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And with this, Jesus lets Paul know that this isn't the end. You're going to continue to roam, and you're going to continue to be a witness. You're going to continue to carry out Acts 1.8, even in Rome, just like you're doing here. It's going to keep going. It might have looked like the end, but God is not done with you yet. Not yet. He, that, that there's still work to be done. And listen to me, church. You might have come in here thinking, man, it's over. Marriage is over. There's no way we're getting through this. My kid is never going to come to faith in Jesus. He goes to youth group. He does this. I, put, I, I, poured the, I, I made him read the Bible. I've done everything. I bought the Bible in different languages. I bought a comic book Bible for the kid. I've done everything. He's just not coming. He's just not getting it. Maybe it's the doctor's call. The doctor said, you got this and you got X, Y, and Z amount of time for maybe you or for a loved one. Listen, church, if you, still got, if you still got breath in your lungs, Jesus ain't done with you yet. If you are still breathing and you're in here today, and I think everybody in here today is still breathing, just make sure some of y'all look like you're falling asleep, but you're still breathing. God ain't done with you yet, church. God still has a purpose, and God still has a plan for you. Just like Paul here, he thought it was done. It's, they're they're going to kill me, Lord. And Jesus comes and he says, no, 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 Paul, take heart. You're not done. I still got work for you to do. And the Lord Jesus still has work for me and you to do here at Crosspoint Church. Amen? Amen? And if we would just stand for the Lord, he will stand for us. And there is nothing better than to live a life sold out for the call of Jesus on your life. Trust in the Lord, church. He is with us and he is for us. Even when it seems like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, always remember the rest of that verse. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me because you are with me. That's a promise all the way back in Psalm 23. So again, I don't know what you're going through here today. I don't know most of you that well. But I know that most of us in this room, we got something, man, something that's just heavy on our hearts, something that's kind of weighing us down. Remember, God is with you, and God is not done with you. Always remember who our shepherd is, and remember that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our good and gracious Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for the people here today, Lord. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the promises that are contained in it, Lord, that you are not done with us and that you are always with us. Lord, if we would just hold fast and hold tight to that promise alone, I think it would get us through so many times of darkness, so many times of despair, so many times of trial, so many storms. We would just remember the truth contained in your word. Remember your words to us, Lord. You are with us. You are here. You are present here today, Lord. 
Continue to touch us, continue to convict us, continue to comfort us, Lord. Put your arms around us when we feel like we can't go on. Pick us up, hold us tight, give us strength, fill us once again with your spirit, and then help us to stand for you and for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Crosspoint Church. Thank you for all you're doing here. It's in Jesus' beautiful, mighty, and magnificent name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Love Mark you guys. Porter. Wow. Thank you.